0: Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast, joining us as always, The Prince of Twitter, the Regent of Redstate.com. And the recent it, of an awfully sweet um introduction uh by Jennifer Van Laar, our, um uh the uh managing editor over at redstate.com on Twitter. Um that was really sweet. I I was sort of yeah. unexpected. So so tell us a little bit about what she was talking about.
1: Well, um she just said I was the greatest thing in the world. No, um, well, that's
0: that much is true. We know that.
1: <laughs> she uh, she had asked me to um, figure out a way to draw on my um, long, long years. <laughs> uh, I think fifty-seven now in the news business and eighty on the planet, um, and <clears throat> share some memories that might shed light on things that are going on today. I kind of like that idea. So. I um, came up with a uh, with a proposal, and and she had it, and she bought it, and and last week we ran uh, we ran the first one on uh, on July fourth, at just an occasional um, sharing of memory and perspective uh,
0: on maybe how things have changed,
1: or how good they
0: were, or how not so good they were in the past. Well, see, and I think that this is a great perspective and I know that you're going to next week, you're going to have something on historical, I don't yeah. know, literacy maybe is the right word for it. Yeah. This, yeah. Um, But I think that, you know, first off, we've been doing this together for 15 years, right? So, yeah. you know, we often talk about this type of stuff, but I think it's good to have it in a, in a, um, a, you know like an intentional manner i'm looking forward to this over at redstate yeah
1: yeah it's and it's uh it's not it's outside the paywall so everybody can get it and uh um i uh, it's kind of fun actually uh, I've i've got a whole packet of ideas it's just a question of finding the time uh to do them but uh, we're taping the next one soon and um we can talk about that next week
0: we can talk about that next week. We got stuff to talk about this week. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. This is something that's just coming across right now. <laughs> Andrew's like, "Oh, great, yeah." I, I never hit the curve when I was a kid. So, but I'm going to. Oh, <laughs> I do um, that ended. By the way, that ended my little league career. Really. <laughs> Once I realized I couldn't hit a curveball, you know, because I was 14 years old and I was getting into that part where they're starting to throw curveballs, and they say, "Okay, I'm done." It's going out. But uh, Turkey has agreed to back sweep yeah. entry into uh, into NATO. Now, they've been holding this thing up for months, I think almost a year now. Yeah. Um, and my guess is from the initial report on this, that Turkey got two things that really wanted out of this. One was uh, an accelerated entry into the EU and the second was F-16s. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case or not. By the time this gets published, people will already know. But just in the first blush, here it, it had to be something like that, right? Erdogan right. was not going to let this thing go. He, he, this was Erdogan was sort of the uh, Rod Blagojevich, right, of NATO. Yeah, so that's it, right. It, 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 yes, yes, that's perfect. He had an f invaluable thing, and he wasn't going to let it go.
1: That's right. It, and he's playing both sides. You know, he has Putin building him a nuclear reactor. Um, He bought from Putin a very sophisticated air defense system, uh, and he wanted to buy F-35s, and uh, Trump said, no, because (laughs) you could share that with the Russians, and they'll figure out how to spot F-35. So I guess there's something special about F-16s. I guess there's a lot of them around, and it makes for a lot of jobs in the States. uh, and, uh, you know, Erdogan's alleged reason was Sweden wasn't being hard enough on on anti-Muslims. Oh, no, we get that. Pa- we get past that BS and and um, get Sweden in there. And, and that'll be a good thing. That'll make 32 countries.
0: Yeah, my understanding is that the F-35 thing was just a non starter. They weren't going to send them. F- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. starter. Uh, no. But the F-16s were negotiable. Now uh you know you've got to kind of dig around for this but as i was you know right before i was going on the air i was trying to put this thing up in the headlines and i was you know doing a i wasn't doing a google search i was doing a duck duck go search and i found uh because i've kind of given up on google and to a certain extent bang um but um there was an article that came up from uh, i think it was called uh the cypress post or the cypress the cypress mail so you know from from Cyprus, not not Cyprus, California, where I live for a time. Nice <laughs> little suburb. No, this is like the island of Cyprus that has big issues with Turkey. <laughs> yeah. And they're quoting Bob Menendez, you know, a pretty influential Senate Democrat for the moment, <laughs> depending on his latest scandal. Um, saying that there is that he has basically a veto on the sale of F-16s to Turkey. And if Biden goes around him, there will be consequences to this. So my guess is, is that Biden has to have known this, you know, Blinken has to have known this. My guess is that they probably got enough support from Senate Republicans to to cut this deal.
1: <laughs> to,
0: yeah. To to sideline Menendez on this thing, but Menendez is not going to be happy.
1: Yeah, he's uh, there are there are several pains in the behinds in the Senate.
0: He's one of them. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to present an obstacle to to this deal. But, uh, you know, this is and the other thing, too, is, you know, you're, you're saying that, you know, Erdogan um, has, you know, played both sides of the street. But yeah, but Putin is not going to be happy about this. I don't know if Putin maybe thinks it was inevitable anyway, but it wasn't inevitable before the um, invasion of Ukraine. In fact, Finland and Sweden had been, you know, certainly Ooh, they well yeah they, they've been neutral for centuries uh, yeah centuries and sweden and you know One was holding this thing up and i think in part to curry favor with putin and i'm curious as to how that relationship is going to go now that
1: yeah
0: well i think i think
1: the main one was finland uh and that as the, the border, I think, yeah the, uh, the, the the is it the longest or the second longest border with russia and um uh uh and they're in that's a done deal um Erdogan, it, you're right absolutely he's playing both sides he's selling drones to ukraine uh <laughs> he's uh he's getting aid from the e u over um uh, uh for migrants and threatens a, in fact he did this i think a year or two ago threatens to just let the migrants head for Europe if they don't give uh, Turkey more aid. Yep. Uh, you know I mean, bottom line, you can say, what the hell is Turkey doing in a North Atlantic treaty organization yes and 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 the reason is because it has the insulik air force base uh and so that's how they got in they've Turkey's been in i think since nineteen fifty two which is year three of NATO. So, uh, yep. it's, uh, <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's a done deal as silly as it might
0: seem on paper. Well, I mean, and now they're going to enter the EU, which to me is really interesting. Um, yeah, because there's, you know, that brings in all sorts of things about refugee handling, because there was a lot of conflict between Turkey and the EU over how the, um, over how the EU was handling refugees. Turkey wanted it to be more wide open. So <laughs> it's going to be really interesting because I forget what it's called. It's a German name, but um, you know, there's free border crossings within the EU. And that means that people coming from Turkey can cross over into Greece, right? Because Greece is the the bordering nation wow. without, you know, I, I forget what it's called. It's something zone. It begins with an S um i'd have to look it up and it's i'm not going to do it right at the moment but i mean there's all sorts of really interesting things if the eu membership was was part of this deal so stay tuned yeah yeah well if it isn't
1: now it probably will be that guy's a real bargainer
0: oh yeah all right so speaking of bargains (laughs) the new york times there you go the new york times Two years ago, bought up The Athletic. It was a sports website for the bargain price of $500 million, which if I recall correctly, was twice as much as the New York Times got for itself when Carlos Slim bought it. I mean, I thought that was $250 million. could be wrong about that. but uh,
1: Yeah. Carlos was alone with stock as the collateral. They didn't really right. sell it. Uh, True. The, fam- yes. the f- family will never sell it, but Yeah. Well, uh, and The Athletic is a subscription site. Uh, I've I've seen one or two stories, and um, they seem to be fairly in-depth. But that's a tenuous uh, situation. The New York Times, as much as you may not like its wokeness in its news, uh, what's the word, news qualities, uh, is actually very good, has been for a long time. And I get it because of the foreign news coverage, which... Right. is uh, is unsurpassed it's very um, good uh and to buy the athletic well they got the athletic reporters but the athletic reporters then started touting to sports organizations that they were new york times reporters and the new york times reporters were getting frozen out because <laughs> their their corporate brothers were uh were squeezing in and taking the new york times press passes and all that stuff so that was something they had to address. Uh so I but it's a strange way to address it is to can yeah. the people that have that have been doing your sports for so long. I you know, they got uh Pulitzer Prizes, uh, Dave Anderson and um uh, Red what's his name? Red Smith was it? I think uh, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know. I mean, so they're they're shutting down the sports desk because they've got the athletic and they're, they're reassigning the reporters out to other parts of the newspaper, presumably maybe a few of them to the athletic itself. But I mean, that's strange. I mean, that's odd. It yeah. is
1: very strange. It, obviously it's part of the uh, tremors that uh, uh, news organizations are going through these days and uh, uh, losing jobs. I think the the LA times is cutting more jobs um, uh, and um it's it's sad. It's the gradual, what do you call it, decrepitization of the of the modern American newspaper.
0: No, I think that's right. Although it's good news for athletic supporters. I'm sorry. Twelve years old. I'm twelve years old. You sorry, 12 years that. old. Oh, you, that counts yeah. as one of my jokes of the day today.
1: <laughs> Ed, Ed, please stop jo- jockeying us around.
0: Oh yeah, I'm jockeying for position here. I know. <terrible>. That's two of my jokes of the day. All right. I'm 12 years old. I don't know what to tell you, Um, but I mean, I just found that very interesting and almost inevitable. I mean, if you pay $500 million for a subscription website, that's based on sports, how do you justify spending the money to support that and your own sports desk? I mean, I, well, the the athletic is subscription, but they're losing money on it.
1: So yeah, they gotta, they gotta squeeze everything together somehow. Yeah,
0: they overpaid for it. Is basically, I think, what the, yeah. what the what well, the, you know, and they paid
1: they paid a billion dollars for the Boston Globe, and then ended up selling it for seventy million. Know, seventy million.
0: <laughs> seventy million dollars was seventy
1: yeah. million dollars. I was a stock like 30- I was a stockholder in those days, and I voted against buying
0: the Boston Globe because I knew it was a loser. Sure enough, it was. I think it was twenty five years later they sold it for seventy million. So yeah, that was. That yeah. Was, that was, that was, so yeah yeah i find this i find this all very strange but it is strange i know all right let's turn our attention to the um to the political scene here because i want to talk a little bit about the interview that maria bartiromo did with ron DeSantis on sunday morning uh, yeah fox, yeah you
1: know,
0: i'm i don't know I, i'm assuming it was fox news channel I think she does the Sunday show on Fox News Channel, but she's usually on Fox Business. And uh, she did a about a thirteen minute interview with um, with DeSantis, and I actually thought the interview was really good. Um, I know that she was asking questions that she's asking asking questions about something I'm about to criticize, but it's her job to ask those questions to allow the interview subjects to respond to these things because, and I'll get to what it is in a second. um, And I thought she did a good job of that. I, you know, she was a little, a little um, too um, high tension, I think when she was doing this, but I think that's part of Romo's style. Uh, But she, she asked a series of questions about policy and DeSantis was very well prepared for these. And it wasn't easy policy stuff. It was, you know, you know, stuff that is actually, you know, pretty contentious. And then she said, "You know, political playbook is saying that you're, you know, you have people in your in your campaign that says your campaign is in crisis, it's near collapse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what do you say to that? How do you correct this?" (laughs) Ron DeSantis laughing. He says, "It's a narrative. This is nothing more than a media narrative. We just broke records on fundraising, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's because the polls are." Stagnant basically, yeah. not changing much. Um so legit question. He had a good answer for it. I'd encourage people to watch the whole interview because it's very good. But you know, half of it was policy, half of it was horse race stuff. Well, it's a horse race, and that's legit yeah. too. Yeah. Good for Barbara. She did a good job.
1: Well, she's good. I I've I've always admired her, um, and she seems pretty straight. Uh and this, the the narrative, DeSantis is absolutely right. The narrative is that he's in crisis. Now, I wrote about this last winter when other people started getting in the race. The media has to has to have something happening in order to write about news. News is new, uh, and they're going to create a story one way or another. And the way they do that is to make it into a horse race. Oh. He's ahead at the quarter post, uh, quarter mile. It, it, oh, now she's slipping. Uh, and they're going to do that and people will react. And that's the way they get they get the clicks. Oh, this has changed. Nothing has changed and nothing will change. I don't see anything in the polls changing until as, shortly after the Fox News debate in late August uh, in Milwaukee, which the Sanders says he's going to be at. I imagine the others will be too. Trump is playing uh, footsie, and we'll see whether he goes or not. I think, I think he will. Um, and um, then once enough people, it'll be August before Labor Day, so you know you won't have the big crowds watching, but you'll get a a fair amount of things for the media and the viewers to chew on. Uh, and uh, we'll see who does well and who doesn't. Remember uh, Kamala Harris uh, started out in the democratic debates in, was it 19? Uh, (laughs) She started out uh, poorly and ended up dead in the water. Uh, And uh, she quit before there were any votes cast. So there will be a weeding out process uh, having to do with uh, largely fundraising. The uh, requirements, qualifications for the August debate are not insignificant. Uh, The the big names, obviously, are are already in Nikki Haley, uh, Trump, DeSantis. They've already met it. Some of them are, you've got to have 400 uh, donors in 21 states or something. Uh, You've got to have X amount of money. You've got to be 1% at least in X uh, polls uh, that Fox lists. Um, And you've got to take a vow that you will, uh, one, not go on any other uh, debate other than RNC debates and that you will uh, support the eventual nominee. Um, Some of them have hedged on that and saying, well, we'll see and all that. But Uh, Bottom line, things uh, that will, I think,
0: be when things actually get started. Well, right. This is my point. You you take a look at the polls and polls are basically telling us what we already knew. And they haven't really changed. I mean, right. So I took a look at real clear politics, which is a great place to go if you want to see, you know, national picture, bigger picture stuff. Right. And I take a look as far back as they go, which is a year. All right. So this is even before DeSantis, um, you know, won the the governorship. It's before Trump jumped into the race officially. It's before the indictments started coming down. And the race is about the same place as it was (laughs) a year ago, which is that Trump was being the incumbent president, had a pretty substantial lead. And Ron DeSantis was dominating the not Trump lane, right, which is what we expected now when he got when when he ended up getting um and when he ended up winning in Florida by a landslide, DeSantis got a pretty good bump at Trump's expense when Trump got indicted by Alvin Bragg, he got a pretty good bump at DeSantis' uh, expense, but we're back to basically status quo and it hasn't changed the deal in this in this primary and th- and this is why people have to look at it is that and this is what DeSantis sort of said too to bartiromo is that this is going to be about a choice it's going to be whether or not you stick with trump or change directions if you stick with trump there's only one person in the stick with trump lane and that's donald trump right, right. there's what 10 or 11 people now in the not trump lane and desantis is blowing them out of the water i mean there isn't anybody who's above six points in that poll and he's you know at 20 21 22 very consistently in terms of an average of national polling. Now, state polling is different. DeSantis actually looks better in state polling, which is another thing that he was trying to talk about. But even that's kind of beside the point at the moment. You have to get to the point where people are actually going to have to make the choice. Do we change directions and, and go with somebody who's going to you know, take the Republican Party into the future? Or do we stick with the past with Donald Trump? And that's not an easy choice for people to make. And people could very well decide that they want to stick with Trump. That's what Ron DeSantis has to do, but that's, he's going to have to do that over the next six months. And he knows that, you know, so, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, people were comparing it to the collapse of John McCain. And look, I was around when McCain collapsed. Okay. I was the beneficiary of John McCain's collapse because when John McCain's campaign collapsed and all the money went away, John McCain went to the bloggers to regain his relevance. And I was one of the people that he went to. I, I got a, you know, an exclusive, you know, which means, in media terms, exclusive means nobody else was on the call but you. <laughs> I got an exclusive interview with John McCain, which was really cool, great get for me, and and it was a great interview. I enjoyed talking with the guy. Uh, as soon as he regained his footing and regained his donors and regained his his fundraising, <laughs> I never heard from those guys again. <laughs> Andrew's waving at the camera. Yeah, bye bye. Um, and that was fine. I understood that, you know. Um, so this isn't a McCain collapse, this is not a Bill Clinton collapse. And you know what they were with the Clinton campaign was calling bimbo eruptions in 1991 and 19, 1992. This is, you know, Ron DeSantis, raising $20 million in half of a quarter, <laughs> as yeah. an, officially as a candidate and his, you know, and his um, super PAC never backed down raising on its own 67 million dollars in that same time period well in the full their, in the full second quarter I should say because they were in operation the whole time um and, and technically 150 million but that be, that was because DeSantis transferred in the remaining 83 million dollars from his gubernatorial campaign that he still hadn't they still hadn't spent um so this is a campaign that's raising a lot of money and he's still getting a lot of media attention I mean, I would be happy to interview Ron DeSantis, but this is not a guy who's not who's getting shut out by the media because he's irrelevant. I mean, yeah, it's, no, you know. you're
1: absolutely right. Well, DeSantis's challenge <clears throat> is that, uh, for instance, John McCain was much better known than Ron DeSantis is nationally. Now, right. Ron DeSantis has the start of a national reputation as a as a very effective conservative governor who won by a landslide who had a big fight with Disney. Um, And the media wants Donald Trump. So they're going to jump on any bad news that they can find or concoct about Ron DeSantis. And, and now Donald Trump, remember back in 15 and 16, he can make a big splash by being Donald Trump, you know, boisterous, explosive name calling, and that's going to get a lot of media attention. He got over $2 billion in free media back then. Um, and that's the way he made an instant reputation. Well, Ron DeSantis has to make one the old fashioned way, uh, like that stock firm,
0: uh, by earning it. Yeah, and EF e. Hutton was it? When yeah. e. Hunt, oh no, yeah, it was EF Hutton. Yeah, because, or was it Smith Barney? We're... I don't remember, but it it, 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 yeah. yeah, but you've got to build a reputation
1: and he's doing it. He's going everywhere. His wife is going everywhere. Um, he's generally avoided the bigger media outlets. You'll uh, have to do them um, pretty soon. Uh, Maria, uh, I think, was uh, was the biggest one that he's done so far. Um, but over time allowing people to come to know him you know sometimes people a lot of people consume the news they're walking through the living room they get 15 seconds they see something interesting they'll pause for another 15 seconds and then they'll walk away so this takes time for him to create through repetition uh, his own reputation as an effective eloquent spokesman for the conservative cause who could plausibly become commander-in-chief now compared to joe biden That's not hard to do Uh, compared to uh, Donald Trump. It's hard to do because of all the shouting Uh, people know Donald Trump. He has a, he has a very strong record in office. Uh, You have to, he'd like you to assume he'll do the same thing next time, but there will be no um, no club of a second term hanging over his head. He'll be a freewheeling freelancer in his second term, so there's no obligation. Uh, the First term for Ron DeSantis, he'd be trying to set himself up for a second one, so he'd have to deliver. And Donald Trump did in his first term, <clears throat> excuse me. So this is a very tedious, long-term thing for DeSantis to create a reputation. Uh, and he'll, his first big chance, Will be on the Fox debate. And if he screws up there, then he's in trouble.
0: Yeah. No, I, I and I agree. But I mean, this is a guy who's a pretty seasoned Paul, too. So I don't expect him to absolutely.
1: And you know, he was on a SEAL team. So <laughs> if you can if you can get on a SEAL team, uh, I think you can handle the pressure of a of a T V show.
0: Yeah. i this is a guy who knows his way around a debate stage. I don't I don't I don't anticipate him blowing it. He just still may not make the sale.
1: But think you about, know, about it. No, yeah. but think, think about it. So if Donald Trump participates and if he blows off. And DeSantis, obviously, they're going to ask him for his reaction. Well, if he's measured and reserved with a and I'm sure there'll be rehearsing this, a couple of clever zingers, um, he'll look good in comparison because the, the problem a lot of conservatives have with trump is that they liked his policies but they didn't like his behavior and his behavior isn't changing now he can show as he did over the weekend immense crowds and no one else will get those crowds like that but no one else has been on the scene for what eight years now um so uh he's a showman remember and he had a top rated show on nbc Ron DeSantis is a governing person. Uh, he's been very effective governing, but that's not dramatic. You can you need to bank an argument about
0: that, because people don't see explosions and fireworks. Right, right. No, you're right. You're exactly right about that. And and so that's the reason why you build the organizations, why you build a field organization, because it's not all about debates. It's also about going door to door, knocking on doors, talking to people and convincing them to to come along with you. And that goes a long way in places like Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, And right now, Trump has got, for some reason, a feud with Kim Reynolds, who's a very popular Republican governor in Iowa, and it's likely to do him some damage there. Uh, Basically, my point is, we're not even started yet. (laughs) I mean, Everybody's just really preparing right now. And it's
1: practice. Yeah. This media things are practice and it's good practice for DeSantis. He did Maria uh, and he got tough questions. He handled them. And now it'll happen some more. And At some point, somebody in some scrum in New Hampshire is going to say, wow, what's the price of milk in in uh, in Florida? And he doesn't know it. Or what's the name of the Pakistan prime minister? He doesn't know it. And the media will have a field day with it. It won't matter because no president (laughs) needs to to know everything. That's why they have staff in the White House. So debates, in my mind, uh, they've become show business. They're not a measure. They're not a measure of anything. Um, But... They are the way people judge. So you got to you got to you got to perform. And that's what it is, a performance.
0: All right. I don't want to let you go without talking about your latest columns, your latest column, I should say, over at Red State and your latest Malcolm on the Right. Seismic changes are rocking the American workplace. Um, Yeah. 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 There's there's now
1: they've got some studies now. And I was stunned. By the number of, I won't give everything away, but the number of employers is over half who are considering four day work weeks. Um, now, it might be four 10 day work weeks. Uh, and I've always I always said I would go I would work 4 12 hour days to have three whole days off. I uh, That's fine with me as long as you're at work. What's another three hours? Uh, so uh but i was stunned that so many are considering it and of course there's still i guess roughly half the white collar workers who are working away from the office at least part of the time uh companies are having a devil of a time to uh to bring them back in understandably people don't want to have the commuting charges and the stress and um uh it has economic impact on where offices are, restaurants, lunchtime places, parking, buses, subways, everything. If you're not traveling, they, they, lose, they lose business. So there's a, I call it in the head seismic, there's a seismic shift going on. And I wasn't aware of it, so I shared that on the audio.
0: Well, you know, and I agree. And I, you know, there was something from The Economist today, too, that actually wasn't from today, it was from last week. And I just didn't catch up to it till today, but saying that studies are now showing that, guess what? People are more efficient when they're in the work, when they're actually in the office as opposed to remote working. Um, So I think that there's going to be a a lot of churn on this question. You're, you're, you're.
1: There was was also
0: (laughs) a study company said, well,
1: how could we make the workplace less stressful and more productive. (laughs) By far, the number one issue was meetings, useless meetings, just, you know, nine out of 10 meetings are not necessary. It's somebody showing off how much work they did to look good in the meetings. And everyone's sitting there wishing they were back at work or playing on their cell phone.
0: I used to call the the weekly staff meetings the weekly confessional. in the day. Um yeah, it was so bad. <laughs> when I worked at a Fortune 100 company whose name I will not say. They actually had one year they actually had this um program, this training program in which we were empowered to say that the meeting was not worth the, our time. If it didn't if we didn't get an agenda ahead of a time, ahead of time, we were empowered to tell even our bosses, I'm not going to attend the meeting. Now that didn't actually happen in real life, but Honeywell, I, oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a company. All right, it was Honeywell. At least recognized the problem, right? Which was yeah. that they were having too damn many meetings and and you know, which were useless. We were having meetings to set up meetings. That's how yeah. you did. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the pre meeting meeting. Uh, it was just terrible. And at, at least Honeywell, I'll say the name since I blurted it out, at least they recognized the issue. And I got to tell you, even though it was probably not a, a successful effort, I think most of us appreciated the fact that they at least tried. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> did have some impact. We actually started getting agendas ahead of time. And, you know, it wasn't a question of malice. It's just a question of bad habits, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's easy. And you can. You could send an email to accomplish that. Right. Exactly. And a lot of times you just could do it one-on-one. You didn't need a whole room full of people. Just talk one-on-one with people and get the information. So yeah, sometimes meetings are useful. A lot of times not. All right. That's what
1: I like to say in crowded elevators when we're between floors. Well, I suppose you're all
0: wondering why I asked you here. (laughs) (laughs) That's how long meetings should last too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really quickly, arming Ukraine with U.S. cluster bombs reveals more than Joe, Joe Biden wanted. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm of two minds on this. I, I think that reciprocity is important in warfare, in actual warfare. And if one side's using them, then the other side, then that side should expect to get them in return. On the other hand, the justification that the U.S. is using is something that a lot of countries are going to copy <laughs> when they start deploying these. Munitions. It's not a great situation here.
1: No, no, it's not. It's uh, the thing that struck me, and I wrote about it in the column too, was uh, how we get so picky about how we go about killing people. Killing people by the hundreds is okay, but when you use a cluster bomb, that's too many at once. Gas, we can't use poisonous gas. Uh, the main reason is. People say it's bad, but the main reason is the wind can bring it back on you. So that's not so smart. Um, And the nuclear weapons, you know, that's why I said in the column, it's become become a threat. But the reality is, and maybe I said this here once before, the reality is that more Japanese were killed in the firebombing of Tokyo than were killed in the two atomic bomb flashes. Uh, but napalm is okay, but atomic weapons. Oh well, that's not so good. Uh, so it, it to get fussy about how you're killing you're killing people, okay? And you're killing them in large numbers, and that's the point. Who was it, George Patton, who said the 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 point is 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 not to die for your country. The point is to get the other guy to die for his country. Right. And yeah. and uh, uh, so. Russia started using cluster bombs. I think the, um, the Ukraine has used some of them and maybe they bought them from somebody. Uh, but um, the US now is sending them over. But the, the secret thing is that the US is sending them over because we don't have enough of the 155 millimeter shells to right. send. So we're going to send the one, the cluster bombs that we're not using. And which that looks good, and we can help ukraine, and that will kill a lot of people and it's not us using them, you know which is another one of those phony things. Well, I just handed in the gun he did he did the shooting you know i mean it it's it's pathetic um but it shows that we have you remember Joe Biden and the supply chain that he supposedly fixed our manufacturing processes are way behind the times. To, yep. to, and I think they probably have started by now, but to start remaking more Javelins, because we've run down our, our supplies of Javelin anti-tank missiles, it, that takes two years to gear up all the subcontractors and to start making them. And you don't turn them out by the hour. You know, it might be one or two a day, something like that, because these are complicated things. And each one of the Javelins takes 200 computer chips. So you got to find them. And they get vaporized when the thing goes off. It's a very effective weapon. Um, so we're kind of uh, up a creek here, and nobody has done anything about it. And, boy, if you think Joe Biden's going to do it, um, watching uh, – oh, no, he's not Prince Charles anymore – watching King Charles guide him around the uh, honor guard uh, <laughs> today, that was so sad. Poor. sad. Yeah, it's elder abuse. It's plain and simple.
0: Yep, I agree. All right. With that said, we got to get to the jokes of the day because we can have some. Elder abuse. All right, let's hear them. Uh, these are old. Conan
1: said, uh, President Obama is in Italy, where he praised Italians for being great allies. He went on to say, except, of course, for any time we've ever been at war with each other. <laughs> uh and uh jay leno is a uh, bad news for the lone ranger movie the movie could lose more than 150 million dollars in fact it's so bad that tato has quit acting and has gone back to working in the casino <laughs> <laughs> uh and let's see this one i like this one um uh jay leno he says uh, democrats are warning that if the debt ceiling isn't raised, the federal government will cease to function. How do you tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You remember, remember uh, 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 President uh, Coolidge was so taciturn, and uh, they said, um, uh, "Oh, he's he's passed away." And there was some writer in the New Yorker who said, "How do you tell?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's not, right. not, he's not, not talking anymore.
0: Yeah. I got one for you. Okay. Cause I, I told a couple earlier today, they weren't good ones, but I told a couple of them, but I'll, I'll give you one, one here and I'll give you the, I'll give you the, the shorter one that I have here. So one day a professor of psychology was greeting his new college class and he stood up in front of the class and said, would everyone who thinks that he or she is stupid, please stand up. A minute goes by silence. Nobody does anything. And then finally, one young man stands up, and the professor says, "Well, good morning to you, so you actually think you're a moron?" And the student says, "Well, no, sir, I just really didn't want to see you standing there all by yourself <laughs> Uh, All right, jokes of the day.net. I get them from jokes of the day.net just because well, I, I have one
1: more. Do we have time for one more? Yeah, go so, ahead. There's a, a Ronald Reagan joke. This is a uh, Ronald Reagan treasure. He said, um, Have you heard this story? Remember the way he always started? Yes. Uh, yes he said, um, So the Democrats had a convention, and when they came out, there was a little kid selling kittens, tiny kittens, uh, to the Democrats. Uh, And some of them were sold. And a couple of weeks later, Republicans had a a convention in the same place and Republicans came out and there was the same kid selling little kittens Uh, a couple of weeks later. And a reporter went over to the kid and said, uh, well, I saw you selling them uh, to Democrats before and now you're trying to sell them to Republicans now. And the kid said, well, yeah, now their eyes are open. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah, I know that that was the beauty of Reagan's joke. I like that's why I saved it. Yeah,
0: that is awesome. All right, yeah. well, and you're awesome too. You are the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com. At malcolm on Twitter is where you can find Andrew, and uh, we're here every single week except when I'm gold bricking, which I will be the end of this month and the beginning of next, so I'll be off for two weeks. But other than that, he's here every week, even if I'm not. Yeah, I know What is that Finnish painting? <laughs> the Scream, <laughs> Munch by Munch. Yeah, The Scream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah, I'll I'll be taking a couple of weeks off, but I'll be here next week. So we'll do this next week, and then after All that. All right,
1: good enough. All right, thanks, Ed. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you then. See you then.